Hey, everybody, welcome back to Church Online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tim. I'm gathered here with my wife and a few of my uh, amazing close friends. And we're here to study the word of God together and to hopefully give you something that I think is going to encourage you, that's going to help you, that's going to bring a little bit of, of light and revelation to you as we dig into uh, the most amazing thing on this planet, which is the power of the word of God. Um, it does a great thing. So I believe that if you tuned in today, if this came across your feed, if you're watching this on your phone or on your computer screen, if you're casting this on your TV, it doesn't matter. God's going to meet you right where you are. He wants to speak to you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life and we want to help you figure out what that is. I cannot stand for churches to tell me that they got, that they know that God has a plan for my life and they won't tell me what it is. They won't figure out how that works in, in, in practical ways of my life. But I want to talk to you very, very specifically today about what God has in store for you. We're in a series called Let's Get Real. So um, Genesis chapter one is where we're going to start. We're going to read a couple of verses from the very, very beginning of the Bible. If you're new, open it up to the very, very front, Genesis one, the first chapter of the Bible, moving from there to Matthew chapter four. We're going to spend most of our time there and and um, I, I just, uh, I, I'm taking an in-depth look at the commands that Jesus gave his disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple of Christ, there are some things that his, uh, Jesus is teaching, ask us very specifically to do. And here, here's the, the thought in my mind was, the things that Jesus asks his disciples to do, they're not hard to understand, really hard to do sometimes. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that's not hard to understand. He said it, it's pretty easy, three words, I get it. Uh, when it comes to actually doing it, you're going to have to help me, Jesus. <laughs> help me, Jesus. When, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, mm, no. <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying, uh, but doing it, that, that's for somebody else. That's for someone else much more meek than me. I uh, haven't been saved that long. <laughs> so uh, what about when Jesus says, uh, pray for those who persecute you? Whoa. I mean, that's not hard to understand. Is it hard to do? Um, well, maybe if you pray like David prayed, Lord, break off the teeth of the wicked, you know, kill them all, kill them, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Uh, <laughs> is, is that what Jesus was talking about? You know, remember as Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples, they're going to be persecuted um, to the death. And um, this is by a political party and system that was set up to be anti-Christian and was persecuting the church of God, running them out because their, their beliefs did not line up with the accepted views of the day. And when Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you, it wasn't just those that treat you bad. It wasn't just for those that talk about you behind your back. I'm talking about literal persecution. He said, pray for them, love your enemies. Like, gosh, <laughs> you're asking something that's, that's hard of me. You know, um, when was the last time you, you prayed for someone that disagreed with you politically? When was the last time that you really honestly prayed for those that, that were lost? When was the last time you prayed for those that had different, different opinions, that voted differently than you? Um, that's not something that's hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard to do. Um, and so as we're getting into, into this, I, I think it's important that we see um, Genesis 1, the very first thing that God does and how it's just a parallel and, and, and a great uh, uh, balance as we look at the first thing that Jesus does. And those two things coincide very, very uh, uh, it's just a beautiful marriage that they have between what God does, what Jesus does and how they both work together and what they mean to you when we're talking about, let's get real with what Jesus is asking me to do. So Genesis one, uh, starting in verse two, it says, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And I want you to take a moment and think not just about the creation of the world, but about your life before Christ. Because this is a type and shadow of what the Lord was doing in the life of every believer. It says it was, it was formless, it was empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And it says the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And it says, God said, let there be light. 
light, it says. And there was, and God saw that the light was good. So as we're paralleling that with Matthew chapter four, turning over there, if you would, we're gonna see the very first thing that Jesus does, the first words that Jesus speaks as he's coming onto the scene with his ministry. And it says this in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. This is speaking of a man called John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. Now I thought it was interesting that it says, when God says, let there be light, it talks about light in this next part. Look, it says, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake, which by the way shows that Preachers can have lake houses. Jesus lived in a lake house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And in the area of Zebulun, Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, look at this, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, in the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great, what? Light. He says, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So just as God said, let there be light right in between God speaking and the light coming, it says the spirit was hovering over the waters. Doesn't it say that? And then we see before Jesus begins to speak, let, you know, as the, as the light that comes onto the planet, it talks about John the Baptist. Now we know that in, in Genesis one, it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. Here it says John the Baptist was there preparing the way. You know, the cool thing about John the Baptist is he's the only person in history that the Bible records that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Right. He was born with it, yeah. born full of the Holy Spirit because God loves to show us the power of what's, what he's doing and how it works through the power of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of everything, God's most important thing was that the spirit was hovering and then he speaks light in that moment. The spirit is hovering at the moment that Jesus walks onto the planet and begins to preach. Light dawns upon all mankind. And there is the power of the Holy Spirit hovering over your life right now. There is a light, there's a moment of revelation. There's a new dawn for every person that's a believer that God wants to show you. He wants the light bulb to come on. And so as we're looking at the importance of what Jesus is saying, we have to also see kind of how it got there to this point and how he's just a reflection of what God did in the Old Testament. So as it, it says that uh, Jesus's messages was, was very similar. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as you speak, as you show up through the power of your word, Lord, we change. And so today we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds and receive from you. I pray that you'd bless every believer that's watching this, that they would see the light of your ways. They would see what you have in store for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now I, I have found um, there are generally two types of people in the world, those that change their mind and men. <laughs> There's a, there's a great old song, a hymn that says, thou changest not. And I'm like, I, I get it. I, I reconcile myself with that, with that lyric, thou changest not. Because I, am, uh, I have one browser open at a time. I have a one track mind. And, and maybe that's the reason why the Lord has given me um, some success and things. I can, I can think about one thing at a time. It's a good thing, but it's only one. Uh, generally, that is not my wife. My wife has many multiple browser tabs open at all times. And sometimes it's hard for me to track with which one she's talking about. But, um, you know, we... When we, when we see this word that Jesus is preaching, he preaches one specific word, repent, repent. And that means change of mind. Uh, the, the Greek word is metanoia. Meta meaning to change, noia meaning your mind, to change your mind. And um, that's a biblical concept. 
repent. Now, the, the, the problem is in our culture today, we do not value changing your mind. As a matter of fact, we look down on it. A person that changes their mind is, well, you're impulsive or you're worried about what people think. You're afraid of confrontation. You're wishy-washy. You're constantly changing your mind. But biblically, that's not something that is, uh, that is an outcast. That's something that God absolutely says is important. The ability to change your mind. Jesus came preaching the words, repent, repent. And even though we don't, uh, we don't really celebrate that word repent in our culture today, it's extremely important. And one of the central themes of the entire word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, repentance. Now, repent is not something that's hard to understand, to change your mind. It's hard to do uh, because uh, we've got this crazy culture that, that tells us it's something different. We don't celebrate the change mind. Now, um, in Jesus's time, repent wasn't something that was hard for them to understand because this is the same message that John came preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus is just echoing and carrying on the ministry of John. So I want you to see um, a couple of things that we have uh, messed up in our mind. We think that to repent, to change your mind means, means that it's, it's behavior. And, and this is something that's a little bit different. We've got it backwards in our mind. Repentance doesn't start with change behavior. It begins with a change of thinking. It's where the light comes on. Let there be light. So I have to see things differently. I have to come out of darkness and see the light to be able to, uh, to really change my behavior. And we think somebody's got to change their behavior. Well, it starts with a, a change of mind. And that biblically is called repentance. Repentance. Now, um, I think many of us have heard that word before, especially in Christian circles, um, but has the light really come on on repentance? And I wanna help us to, to get a, a new understanding of what that looks like, what it means and how important it is in the life of a believer. Because if anything I know to be true, um, repentance is desperately needed in our world today. Right. And especially by believers, right. by believers. Yeah. We just don't see it mm -hmm. and we don't see how critical it is. Um, Repentance is a big deal. Um, so let, let's get real. I wanna give you a few things. Um, when we're talking about repentance, um, let, let's get down to the, to the brass tacks of it. The first thing I want you to see is that every great thing God can do in your life begins with repentance. When God says, let there be light at the beginning of creation, when Jesus uh, begins to speak, repent, the first message he's preaching is repent. It all starts with repentance. Everything great that God does starts with repentance. The light bulb moment where you see things from a new perspective. Um, heaven, not possible without repentance. Salvation, not possible without repentance. Forgiveness, not possible without repentance. Ultimate healing, that's not possible without repentance. And this is, uh, this is important for us to understand. Repentance is critical. And, it, and when it comes to really changing our life and changing our behavior, repentance is the only doorway to truly changing your life. It doesn't happen any other way. Everything else is the strength of your own will, which can only last for so long but you can't truly change without repentance. And I, I think it's, a, it's so cruel to tell people that you can. Yeah. It's cruel um, because you're sending them down a bad path, but repentance is the doorway to true change. And so in order, if, if we believe that it's that big of a deal, um, then it's important for us to understand what it is. And so um, let me show you this. Uh, this is a, a normal quarter. Um, and when we're talking about changing your life, I thought, you know, easily change your life and, Change, the coin is change. I want you to see how important this is. Uh, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. In order to change your life, you're gonna have to have a repentance moment where you turn away and change the way you think. 
and the faith moment where you step towards what Jesus is asking for you to do. It's stepping away from old life, stepping towards what God has for you. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. In order to truly change, I've got to have both. I've got to have a turning away from and a turning towards. And this is what is so cruel to tell people that they just have to have, uh, just repent and never take a step towards Jesus or just take a step towards Jesus without repenting. We've got some major issues there. But when you take the two sides of the same coin, this is where lasting change comes from. How do I change? Repent, turn away from, change the way that I think, turn towards and take a step of faith towards the things that God has for us. It's important that you see that. And so I'm trying to make it as easy as possible to let, let's get real about what repentance really is and how do I change my life? How do I become what God has called me to be? And it starts, everything starts with repentance, repentance. Um, so um, here's the second thing. Every bad decision ends at repentance, which is great. So not only will God do great things that begin at repentance, but every bad thing that I've done ends the moment that I, that I truly repent. And this, this is a big deal because uh, we think we're gonna have to live with the consequences forever. Well, the, the, the power of sin, the power of death and hell and the grave, those things end the moment that we accept the penalty that, that Christ paid for us. And that's, that's, a, um, that's, a, that's important. Now, not, not, not all the consequences are broken, but the power of them is sometimes it's you know, a high price to pay for low living and you're still gonna deal with some of the consequences of things long past uh, the time that you repented of them. Uh, but the good news is there's help for you. There's help for you as you take a step of faith away from the life that you used to have. And I know this to be uh, true from, from my own life. The, the moment that I accepted Christ, that the light bulb came on, where I realized that my ways had led me down a bad path and I turned from those. I took a step of faith towards Jesus saying, Lord, I don't understand. This is a, it's a brand new area of me walking uh, by trusting you. But, but I know that where I was going, that, that's darkness and it's getting darker. My life is a mess. And I found that repentance and, and faith, when I took a, a step of faith towards what Jesus had for me, life began to change really quickly. And I still had some growing pains. I still wasn't perfect. I, I'm not a sin-free man by any means, but I'm not what I used to be. And I'm, I'm believing that God is speaking something to you as, as you're watching this today as well, that you don't have to stay the same. There's always a next faith step for us. And sometimes the next faith step is not possible until we repent. So every bad decision ends at repentance and the, the power of that gets broken. Romans 6 uh, says that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. And repentance means that I'm breaking the power of slavery. I'm breaking that off. I'm turning away from it and allowing the Lord to begin to, uh, to show me where I'm going uh, as, I, as I travel down his path. As that light comes on, I can see things uh, better. And uh, I say it this way, uh, repentance is so important that the entire Bible declares that you can't go to heaven without it. Um, so a, a, a lifestyle is really what we're talking about, a lifestyle of repentance. So a lifestyle of repentance is not what produces our salvation, but it's the fruit of it. It's the fruit of it. Um, to prove that you're saved, you're gonna see that there's this lifestyle of where I'm repenting of things as God peels back the layers of my life and I realize that there's more wants to deal with. And I repent of the way that I'm thinking. I allow him to shine the light on this new layer and he peels that back and we begin to move to something else. And that's, the, that's the, a lifestyle of repentance. It's not something to be ashamed or afraid of, something that our culture would shun saying, oh, you're never wrong. Like, no, we're full of wickedness. I'm full of things that are wrong. And at every moment where I get closer to the Lord, he begins to reveal parts of my heart that he wants to change. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, and it's even better when I allow him to help me. <laughs> 
right? But the light comes on and I see it and I see myself in a new way and I wanna be closer to him. I wanna keep walking by faith. So I build a lifestyle of repentance into who I am. Here's the third thing I want you to see, and this is very important. Uh, repentance is not a feeling. It's not a feeling, but here's, here's the good news. Our feelings do lead us there if we allow them to, right? And, and this is not just our feelings, but God's feelings as well. The Bible tells us in Romans two, it says his kindness or the way that God feels towards you leads us to repentance. So if God's kindness is leading us to repentance and on our side, it's our, it's our grief, it's our remorse, it's our regret. If these things lead us towards his kindness, the marriage here is a beautiful thing where repentance comes full circle. I step away from what I used to, to be like and I step towards who God wants me to be with the way that God feels towards me and the way that I feel towards my sin. Does this make sense? Um, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I, I wrote it down this way. So what is, what is true repentance? If it's not a, a feeling, um, repentance is unconditional surrender to the radical kindness of a good God unconditional surrender. And this is why I think a lot of people have never truly been able to change their life because it's not, it's not unconditional surrender. It's a temporary feeling. And so we have to be able to differentiate between what is remorse and regret and what's repentance. Repentance is unconditional, to, unconditional surrender to the radical kindness of a good God. I give up. I do, I do not want that anymore in my life. Help me, Lord. Unconditional. I'm not going to hold back things. I'm, I'm giving myself. I'm all in towards you. And I literally change the way that I think. I turn it towards God. Unconditional surrender to the radical kindness of a good God. So re, uh, repentance is not regret or embarrassment or apologizing. Those things are easy. Otherwise, we'd have to say Judas repented. Because remember, Judas says, I, I, he takes the money back and he says, I made a big mistake. He takes the money back, tries to make restitution, right? Yep. But what he didn't do is ask for forgiveness or turn his life around. As a matter of fact, that's, that's worldly grief. Mm -hmm. Embarrassment and agony and grief. The Bible says that leads to death. So we have to be really, really careful when we think that repentance is a feeling or an emotion. No, it's not. Uh, your emotions can lead you there or they can lead you to death. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief, Paul says, produces death. Grief will not change your life unless it turns you towards God. Unless you take a step towards him. And so this is where we see the two sides of that same coin. They, they both work to help change our lives together. Our, our feelings lead us to the kindness of God. And where those two intersect, it's a powerful moment where everything can change. It's not embarrassment. It's not regret. It's not grief. Those things can lead you to death if you're not careful. But if they turn you towards the kindness of God and you have a moment of radical surrender where you're giving it all to him, that is powerful, my friend, and nothing can take that away from you. What an amazing thing. So, so why don't people repent? Why don't they? Why do they find it so difficult to do when we're like, you know, it's not hard to understand now that we see it's two sides of the same coin. Now we see what that repentance is unconditional surrender. Why don't people do that? And I, and, and I listed out a couple things that are important. The first is when we say, I don't think I can change. I don't think I can. Um, I was born this way. Um, this is how it's always been. Uh, I can't think any, uh, any other way. I, I can't think that right. And honestly, you're right. Um, we are powerless to truly change our outcome without the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't. And if you don't think you can, you're right. The good news is Jesus was good enough for us. And man, I'm so grateful that he was because I couldn't change myself. I could not come out of addiction on my own. I was messed up in my life before Christ. And I know what it's like to come to the end of my own strength, thinking that if I just held on to these things, or if I was just stubborn enough or just made myself do these things enough that I could change my life. 
but you can't. It doesn't last forever. But until God's ways become your ways and until, until his thoughts become your thoughts, then every, every bit of change is just temporary. It's temporary. Um, I, I wrote it down this way, and I borrowed this from, my, from, a, from an amazing man of God, Craig Rochelle, that says, uh, your life is constantly pulled in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And that's the reason why we can't change because whatever is the strongest thoughts in your mind, your life will follow the direction of those strongest thoughts. And your strongest thoughts are the ones that you keep feeding. So, uh, you know, I have, there, there's plenty of people that say you're, you're, out of, you're out of your mind to think that people can change. You know, leopard don't change his spots. People don't really change. Um, I, I beg to differ because I know what the Lord did in my own life. As a matter of fact, Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 13 and 17. He says this, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. Am I crazy? Yeah, crazy for God. He says, if we're in our right mind, it's for you. It's for you. We want you to know his goodness. Good. We, want him to, we want you to know that you can change yes. um, and that God has given us a way for it. There's a great light that comes on when Jesus shows up on the scene as the spirit of God is hovering over your life, waiting for you to make a decision where you repent and turn away from your sin. And I love that in that moment, Paul echoes this in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes. This is the old is gone. The new has come. What an amazing thought. And so when I, when I say it, stuff like, I, I don't think I can change. The good news is that Jesus was good enough for me and he helps me. He helps me. Yeah, you can't do it on your own. It's impossible. It's impossible to do. Jesus made a way. He made a way. And that way was through repentance and faith. Here's a second reason that people don't change. And this is the most important. This is my heaviest burden from this week. If there's nothing else that you hear me say today, please hear this. People don't change because they don't think they need to. And this is the problem that we have with a lot of Christianity. I don't think I need to. I'm good. And we fall in love with this idea of what goodness really is. I don't think I need to change. You know, and even people that aren't, aren't Christian, our, our, our culture uh, celebrates individual choice and does not allow room for repentance because nothing is wrong. Nothing's wrong. You are what you are. It's your truth. Um, so we don't value repentance or changing or turning from. You just accept who you are and become the biggest, best version of who you are. The problem is it doesn't lead to anything beneficial and life doesn't change. You just become a magnified version of your foolish self. I found that most people don't really love their sin as much as they don't want to appear weak or wrong. They don't want to admit that they're messed up. And that's the problem that keeps us from repenting. It's a, it's a pride issue. The pride of man. I'll say it this way. Pride keeps more people stuck in their sin than the actual sin itself. Amen. It keeps us stuck there. Well, what about for Christians? You know, I've already repented, pastor. I've already made my, made my peace with God. Um, then if Christians don't need to repent, then why does God say, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked why does he say that? Well, that's Old Testament stuff. Well, let me show you New Testament. First John 1, look at verse five. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him, which means Jesus. And we declare to you, God is 
light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My friends, it's impossible to keep walking in this, in this Christian life without accepting that repentance is at the basic part of everything that we do. Every first step that we have with God, every next step we have with God yes. begins with repentance yeah. as God peels back the layers of the onion on our life and shows us the error of our ways. It's the light of his word that shines on those things and it makes us want to become like him more. That's repentance. You can't just accept the parts that you like and throw out stuff like repentance mm -hmm. because of your pride. St. Augustine has this great quote. It says, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel that you believe but yourself. Mm -hmm. I found that most Christians think that repentance is a one-time event when it's an ever-expanding revelation. And I'll say that again louder for people in the back. Most Christians think that repentance is a one-time event, but it's an ever-expanding revelation. Yeah. The last thing that I see that keeps people from changing is they don't know how to. I don't know how. And this is because of a great failure of the American version of the church. Churches don't teach repentance anymore. They're afraid of offending you. I'm not afraid of offending you. I love you enough to tell you the truth that until you repent, nothing else changes. Until you repent, there is no, there's nothing more. There's no change. It's a repentance, it's a turning away from where the light of God's word shines upon the darkness of the human heart. And we determine in that moment, which one we're gonna live in. I don't know how to change, pastor. Let me just say this, Christianity without repentance is a cruel scam. It's a scam unless you see repentance for what it is. You know, all these things, the issues that we have with repentance are what you think and what you know. But I believe that the greatest way to turn that around is by focusing on who you think about and who you know. Jesus says, if you love me, you're gonna keep my commandments. It's about loving him more than you love your sin. It's about falling in love with him, turning your focus upon the goodness of God. This is where everything begins to change. This is where the light bulb comes on because the Holy Spirit right now is hovering over the darkest parts of your life. And whether you've been a Christian for five, uh, five minutes or for 50 years or whether you've never known Jesus, the Holy Spirit is right there hovering. And the message that Jesus is preaching to us today, to us as a country, to us as the church, to us as individuals is repent, yeah. repent, repent. Mm -hmm. Come back to me, he says, come back to me. See the error of your ways, the error of all the things that you've done and have this moment of unconditional surrender to the radical kindness of a loving God. He is kind and he loves you and our ways don't work. We've gotten off. It's time to come back to him. Last week, we talked about the steps of faith. Today, we're talking about this gift of repentance and the two sides of the same coin. Do we wanna change things? We've gotta step away from who we are and towards who he wants us to be. That's how we change. As we finish up today, I wanna to talk to those who have never taken the very first step of faith. 
If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I wanna tell you how to take a step of faith towards him and how to repent. How do I do that? I'm gonna help you just like someone helped me one time by saying a prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, this is gonna be the most defining moment of your life, like it was for me, repentance. I wanna invite you to pray with me. The prayer goes like this, just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, change the way that I think, and show me what to do next. I give you my life, I turn from my sin, and I turn towards you, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer, I am so incredibly proud of you. Good for you. Would you text me? The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed. It encourages me every week when somebody texts me and says, that was me, pastor. I prayed. Um, I want to just, I'm not going to sell your information. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want to help you like somebody helped me. I want to help you um, to take the next step and to keep going and to, uh, and to develop a relationship with your father. He loves you no matter where you are. You didn't stumble across this message by accident. God has a plan for your life. And we're gonna show you how to get there. It's a good thing. For those of you that are supporting us financially, thank you so much for that. Um, we, we're so honored every time that you trust us with your finances and, um, and by being able to, to put out the, the content that we're putting out, that's a big deal. So if you like what you're hearing today, would you click the like button? And if you're, if you're willing to share this on social media, click the share button. That means a lot to us if you wouldn't mind doing that. We believe that people need to see that there is real change possible. And we're going to give them the how, how to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and recognizing repentance and the step of faith coming together to produce real life change. That's a big deal. And our world needs to hear that message. So thank you for sharing this on social media platforms and supporting us with your faithful financial gifts. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing week.